Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening where we are set to engage another musing, right, as we have been talking about it from one Friday to the next. I'm going to take to air some of the things that I've been thinking about through the week. And so I package it as a musing for you to, well, muse over. Now, as was the case last week, from a previous program, I will receive a question, and as it stands this evening, I did receive a question about grace. Now, last Friday, I talked about grace like as in sap, and so out from that reflection, you asked me the question about John chapter 1, verse 16. Can you explain the language of grace in place of grace, or grace upon grace? What is John talking about there? So yeah, last week I was talking about grace I didn't get into John 1.16, but for this evening, we will certainly do so. Now, to answer your question, the first thing we need to do is, well, what I always do, go to the context. The first step of going to the context of each and every passage that we want to better understand is always the best step. So what is the context here in the Gospel of John? Well, let us take the surrounding verses, John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. This episode where we have John talking about the incarnation of the Word. In John chapter 1, verse 14, we read, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. That is just verse 14. Now, you can well imagine if you want to better understand verse 16, which says, which speaks to grace upon grace, then yeah, understanding this language of the Word becoming flesh, this very rich verbiage of glory and full of grace and truth, this is where we need to start. So, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The, the Greek word there is tabernaculus. God pitched His tent, and as He pitched His tent, He revealed the glory of God. Now, incidentally, my friends, how are we to interpret this language of glory. Uh, the Catholic commentary on sacred scripture offers up a nice little reflection on this I'm going to draw from. When you hear the language of glory or the glory of the Lord, this really should bring you back to the Old Testament. You've heard me say it time and time again. If you want to understand the new, you need to go back to the old. Um, scripture often speaks of the glory of the Lord, a, a perceptible and utterly awesome manifestation of God. This is the glory of the Lord. The glory, my friends, is God himself. God himself, insofar as he is, re is revealed in his majesty, his power, the glow of his holiness, the dynamism of his being. Really, when you get into the Old Testament, what you discover is that the glory was an overpowering spectacle. The Hebrew word itself, a kabod, is related to the verb for heaping weight on something. Heaping weight on something. In the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord often appeared in the form of fire. 
and cloud at, at places of God's dwelling. We see the glory of the Lord manifested at Mount Sinai. And when the wilderness tabernacle was finished, what do we read in the book of Exodus? The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now think about that verse in light of John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Again, what's the Greek there? Tabernaculus. There is a new glory dawning. This is what John wants us to see. Ezekiel in chapter 10, verses 18 to 19, has a vision of the glory of the Lord leaving Solomon's temple. And why do we hit the pause button and reflect upon this as it relates to verse 16? Well, this is part of the fullness of grace, the glory of God, the manifestation of the divinity of God. We continue with verse 15. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace. Because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed Him. So the fullness to truth, the fullness of the revelation of truth, is what this grace is, right? And from this divine relationship, that as John reminds us, we have all received, well, quite simply, we have received grace in place of grace or grace upon grace. You see, my friends, and Many commentaries highlight this. John sees salvation history as marked by two great gifts from God. The first is God's gift of the Torah to Israel. What does he say? The law was given through Moses. What do we pray in Psalm chapter 119, verse 97? But how I love your law, Lord. I study it all day long. And yet, what John wants us to see is that the second and even greater gift is Grace and truth, which again is the fullness of of divine revelation through Jesus Christ. So, as it stands, how we are to interpret this text is that the relationship between the Torah and Jesus is not to be understood as bad followed by good, but as good followed by better. The better is a direct living encounter, my friends, with the Word incarnate through the Holy Spirit. The good, that is the law, the Torah, was a real encounter, but it was partial, you see. There wasn't the full disclosure of the manifestation of God that we have in the God-man, the Son, Jesus Christ. At best, what the Torah could do is anticipate the greatness of the manifestation of Jesus Christ and the glory of his love, the glory of, of his presence, you see. This is what John means when he speaks to grace upon grace or grace in place of grace. What is good is now even better. (laughs) The law remains, but what does Jeremiah say? Chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. The law will no longer be etched on stone, but inscribed upon the heart. And this inscription is what takes place in baptism. Okay? All right. Now to our musing, if you will, for this evening and our principal subject matter. Let me just kickstart this by saying the passage of Scripture we want to focus in on is Romans 8, verses 14 to 15, 
the movie that's going to come up as it seemingly always comes up, or at least it has over the last month, is Superman Returns, and the topic is divine sonship. In St. Paul's letter to Rome, he writes, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of sonship when we cry, Abba, Father. Hmm? In this passage, my friends, we have no greater synthesis in sacred scripture for what the church fathers called divine sonship or, in its more technical language, divine filiation. For one particular church father, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, France, in his own reflection on divine sonship, he says, Why the Word became man and the Son of God became the Son of man? Well, (laughs) so that man by entering into communion with the Word and thus receiving divine sonship, might become a son of God. And hence, this is what St. Paul intends to say to us, that essentially by virtue of baptism, we share in God's divine nature. That's also 2 Peter 1.4. To sum it up, my friends, God becomes man that man can now share in God. Now, it's interesting In my studies in theology, at least initially, the topic of divine sonship, it generated a lot of interest for me, but after I completed my first degree in 1999, it slowly faded away until 2006. Because in June of 2006, my wife and I went to the theater to watch Superman Returns. Per usual, I did not leave disappointed when it comes to Superman from the imaginative cinematography to the engaging storyline and lines, for that matter. The movie itself moved swiftly along, but it was one encounter that really had the hair on my skin stand up. After Superman was made aware he had a son, he went to visit him while he was sleeping. And as Superman looked upon his son in the middle of the night, he says, you will be different. Sometimes you'll feel like an outcast, but you'll never be alone. You will make my strength your own. You will see my life through your eyes as your life will be seen through mine. The son becomes the father and the father becomes the son. Now in the movie, my friends, this quote is about the family legacy of Kal-El, Superman, son of Jor-El, Superman's father, who became father to Jason, who in the movie is Superman's son. As I watched this scene, On a more personal level, I received this encounter as Superman passing on his most important lesson to his son, Jason, as he himself experienced it. But again, it was the last line of Superman's words that, dare I say, pierced my heart. The son becomes the father and the father becomes the son. It's as if he was saying, by virtue of becoming a father, I better know what it means to be a son. (laughs) This was a weighty truth for me in 2006, because in June of 2006, my wife was six months pregnant with our first son, Colby, and I was in the middle of trying to make sense of all of these new feelings I had as a father, a new father. Upon hearing Superman's words, the son becomes the father and the father becomes the son, it suddenly dawned on me. In becoming a father over time, or as best as I could anticipate it then, I will better understand what it means to be a son to God the Father. And 13 years and four kids later, (laughs) Superman's words have been like a prism for me to better understand who I am as a child of God. A few examples. Four of the five most joyful days in my life were the births of my four children. 
Of course, the other day be my wedding day. Just as I rejoice, God the Father rejoices in baptism and our spiritual birth. As a father, the joy I receive in being with my kids is not always, my friends, in what we are doing, but that I am doing it with them, huh? And so I I think we can say that just as I, we, revel in spending time with my, our kids, so does God desire we spend time with Him. Which is to say that we involve Him in everything that we do. As a father, I sometimes say no or not yet to my children because in in my no, there's an immeasurable greater yes to their health and, and spiritual well-being, even if they don't see it. The closer my children are with me, the greater they will understand the why behind the no or not yet, huh? In our prayer life, God sometimes says no or not yet to us as his children because in his no, there is just not a greater but the greatest yes to our health and spiritual well-being. The closer we are to God the Father, the better we will understand God's response to our prayer. In fact, let's turn this inside out a little bit. We could assert that God always says yes to what is good for our salvation and ultimately to our prayer, but we hear it as a no or not yet because we do not always understand God's ways. Lastly, I I might add, you know, on a regular basis, I watch my children make mistakes, but as their father, I know that they will learn from their mistakes. What bothers me is not so much the mistake, but when they try to cover it up with An excuse. God sees our mistakes. He desires that we learn from them, not covering them up, my friends. In the words of St. John Paul II, an excuse is worse than a lie because it is a lie guarded. I think that speaks to the heart of it. My friends, these are just a few examples of how I have begun to see the spiritual life of God's fatherhood through the eyes of my biological fatherhood. I am a son who has become a father. And by virtue of the grace received in divine sonship, I am learning what it means to be a son to God the Father. And I do this day by day. Amen. Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.